We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land in which we record this podcast today, the Arakwal people of the Bunjalong Nation, and pay our respects to Elders past and present. Hello, Yummy Mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums-to-be and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Jade. Hello, Sophie and everybody listening. How are you? Good. Now, we wanted to just start this week's episode by obviously acknowledging that this week has been a pretty heavy week for people around the world and around Australia. And we want to send our love to anyone who's hurting. It's been, you know, a very anxious, disappointing, upsetting time for a multitude of reasons. But this week we wanted to acknowledge it and also say that we know that things we chat about in comparison are trivial and that kind of thing. But we want to keep this space this week as a place that you can escape to, hopefully come away feeling lighter and do what we hopefully are best at. And that is giving you a laugh and helping you feel more understood or yeah, lighter coming away from it. So just wanted to start with that. So how are you, Jade? Well, I just wanted to continue on with that and just say that my hair currently smells like an ashtray from the fires that we've got already. And it's not even summer yet, but we just live in the Byron Bay region and had a fire start on, I think it was Friday. And it just, it it did not go down. It didn't go down well. And it's still currently going. It is controlled, but it's the on the other side of the highway in where I live. So it's like polar opposite to me, but it's quite sad because driving into town, like in where the industrial estate is, there is thick, heavy smoke and it really does make you feel like you are in a bushfire. It is hot. It is like ice stink, absolutely stink. There is ash everywhere. All the kids daycare in that area have to be inside locked in air con because obviously their airways, it could affect them. And yeah, it's just, you know, obviously we're lucky because it is under control at the moment, but at the same time, it kind of just makes me think, what are we actually in for? Because we've been told that this is going to be one of our driest summers. So yeah, that that's just a continuation on from everything else that's been happening mm. worldwide. Am I good? I have not been good actually, to be honest. Yeah. And I don't know even if you asked me that, but here I am just telling you anyway. No, I did say, how are you? That's oh, okay. Good, and even good. if I don't ask you how you are, absolutely feel free I'll to tell just you. tell me when you're not good. Yeah. No, I had, um, I had a big period last week. And I don't know if it was because I had a big birthday and, you know, it's just been a lot of celebrations, but I took a turn with the biggest cramps I've ever had. And then it turned into, I'm not going to say a migraine because a migraine, when I've had that only a few times, you cannot move your head and you can't see light. This was a headache that did not stop, even when I was taking Panadol and Nurofen and I could move around 
but I was really debilitated in what I could do. So I was pretty miserable all weekend. And because it didn't go away, every time I woke up and went to take something for the pain relief at about 2am, I just got into this state of anxiety going, why am I feeling like this? And it sort of spun me out a little bit because I was like, oh, am I actually, is this from my period or is this my body telling me to slow down and I've done too much? So I kind of went into this mental battle with myself trying to work out what is actually going on and overanalyzing it. And when I looked into the mirror, I looked at myself and this sometimes happens when I go into a depressive episode where I don't feel and look like myself. But this time my left side of the, my face was literally, it looked lopsided like it was puffy here. It was normal on this side. So when I went out to the kitchen, I said to Harry, Hey, does my face look misshaped or odd to you? And he looked at me and as he was looking, like I instantly thought there was a problem, but he was just looking because he was asked to look at my face. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm having a stroke. He's like, Whoa, you're not having a stroke. It's fine. Anyway, talking to a few people, they've told me that if you have a headache for a long period of time, the pressure can actually, like, I think the swelling can actually do something to a certain side of your face and it does swell or it does change the way your face is. Anyway, that doesn't even make me feel better. I was just like in a state. I woke up this morning going, I've got tension in my shoulders. You can probably hear it in my voice that I'm a little bit racy, but I did yoga. I had to do some sort of meditation this morning to reset and calm my nervous system down. And in that moment, I had clarity and sat with it. And I was like, I'm 1000% anxious and I'm really tired. And I understand that right now is usually a time where I would fall apart. But because I've done so much work in understanding that this is anxiety and this is what is happening right now, I'm going to appreciate the fact that I, one, am aware of it, two, are doing things to slow down and actually help myself. So currently right now I am addressing the situation and being really, really kind to myself and I'm going to take this week extremely slow and, yeah, just get whatever my body needs to start feeling a bit better again. And I already Mm. feel better mentally having realised that. So Mm. That's where I'm at today. Almost naming it before it takes over. Yeah. Is that you feel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do want to say if you ever feel like one side of your face is not matching the other side of the face, please don't just assume it's yeah. from swelling from a headache. Please just go and get that <laughs> checked out because you don't want it to be something more No, I know. Sinister. But it was like under my chin and it was still kind of, oh, no, it's not, that's just me bloated, but it was really like a big lopsided Anyway, it was it was a little bit scary, but I've breathed through that with my yoga. Mm. So we're back to normal, I think. Mm. Yes. How are you? I've actually had a bit of a bittersweet week this week because yesterday my eldest child, my first baby, lost her first tooth. And I found it really emotional because I think it's such a marker of 
obviously she's still a child. She's not even six yet. But it's just moving into that. Yeah, I mean, is there anything more literally coming out of the baby stage than losing your baby teeth and going to adult teeth? And even this morning, like her whole face has changed because she's got that missing tooth and also seeing her excitement about the tooth fairy. And it was just, you know, I've got one baby who's teething and, and then my big baby is losing her teeth and I just... I just can't believe it. I can't believe that we're here and that all the cliches are so true that what is it? The nights are long, but the years are short. And I feel like I'm experiencing both at the same time where I, where I have this baby who wakes at night. And so I agree, the nights are still long for me while I'm experiencing the years being short at the exact same time. And it's just... I don't know. I'm I'm just so proud of the, you know, young girl that she's becoming and just seeing her excitement of losing this tooth. And yeah, she's just um yeah, I've just it just felt really, really proud of her over the past week, which is yeah, I didn't think that something as as silly as a tooth would make me reflect that much, but it's just been it's just been really cool. But I um I wanted to say to you that we've had a bit of a rude or fabulous in the past couple of weeks, but it's more rude and um I'm sure you won't mind me bringing this up in the Ooh, in, in the way now. that affected you. Don't don't be scared. But okay. obviously, we'd been campaigning for the Australian Podcast Awards. Oh, yes, Go and ahead. we entered our category of family and parents, and and we didn't make the short list, which was really disappointing. Right. And then we didn't make the top five in the listeners' choice. And obviously, we are still so grateful for each and every one of you that voted for us and listens. And um, I was a bit like I didn't mind that much, but. Jade, you were honest with me that you you were quite upset by it and, and you reflected and you said, I think the thing is that I've never won a trophy before. And you said this last year when we were campaigning too. She said, I've never won a trophy before and it's more than the trophy. I just really wanted that validation and that trophy. And anyway, last week we had this beautiful mum reach out to us and send us this long letter that was so stunning and heartfelt and you know we we know how busy everyone is so to take the time to send that was really special and Jade and I had tears in our eyes and we turned to one another and we said you know we don't need a trophy that's our trophy like our listeners are our trophy and that is still true but I just wanted to take it one step further and I've actually Jade I've actually brought you a trophy (laughs) for being the world's best co-host and this is dedicated to Jade Caldwell you've got your very own first trophy and I think you know what Fuck any award. Create your own trophy. You can go online. You can get a trophy customized. Just get, get yourself or get your mates or your colleagues or whatever your own trophy and don't wait for everyone else to give you one. So there you go, Jade. I love you so much. I cannot even believe. Where did you get that? From the oh, Australian cost Podcast me an Awards? absolute fortune. <laughs> <laughs> i put it on the business card. <laughs> Well, thank you. And also you should put your own name in that. But I think overall this whole thing, that is the best thing that's that's going on the mantelpiece that I don't have. <laughs> but I just want to say with the letter that that lovely, lovely mother wrote to us, like we weren't together at the time, Sophie and I, she said, if you've got a minute, read this. And I didn't have a minute, but I sat with it and I read the whole thing and I had tears pouring down my face. And what she said really hit me. She said, 
I never engage in comments. I never do reviews. I don't do this. I don't do that. But what you have done for me, I'm sure you've done for a lot of other people who are as silent as I am. So please, I want to let you know that even though a lot of people aren't voting or a lot of people aren't doing certain things, there are so many silent listeners Mm. listening and loving. And I think that is the biggest reward for us is that remembering that there are so many of you out there that are listening and getting something from us. And that's when we did say to each other, that is our trophy. You guys Mm. are our trophy. So I just want to say I got goosebumps, but I just want to say not trophy wives, trophies. <laughs> but I also want to say I didn't get to make a speech on the Australian Podcast Awards. So let's just class this. I've now got a trophy. This is my speech, and we love you all. And I'm not even going to fucking enter next year. That's how much I'm happy with the trophy Sophie got me. So thank you. And thank you, Sophie. My absolute pleasure. Now we're going to get into today's episode. This one is an absolute banger. We say it every week because we every do, week's we an absolute banger. Yes. But yeah. this was with the delightful Frances Cook. We've had her on before to talk about kind of how to approach money as a family. But this week we chatted about how to talk about money with our kids and like pocket money, yay or nay, or chores or kids buying things for themselves and all this kind Kind of thing and I learned so so yeah. much from this I'm actually going to get Nick to for once listen to this yep. one as well because I felt like I learned so much so we hope you love this one we hope you're all being kind to yourselves this week and yeah can find some lightness in being a bumpy with us and I just want to say that for me this episode was an absolute cup filler I don't know if it was the conversations that we were all having there's a mixture of laughs and giggles and serious chats but I think even not having kids, because I know that a lot of, we have a lot of listeners that just listen to the the absolute crapola that we share in the morning and the highs and lows. I'm telling you, if you don't have a child and you want to know something about money, well, we do have another episode for that, but we also have a lot in here that you'll get something out of. So we hope you enjoy. Hello, Francis, and welcome back to Beyond the Bump podcast. For those who haven't heard our other episode with you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? All right. Thanks for having me back, Tim. I love having these chats with you. So hi, I am Frances Cook. I am investments editor at Business Desk is my day job these days. Um, So first and foremost, a financial journalist. I'm also qualified as a financial advisor. And really these days spend a lot of my time working as a financial educator, which has been a fun wee pivot. So there we go. That's life for me now. So good. Well, the kind of idea to have this chat, we're going to talk about chatting with our kids about money. This kind of came to us recently because my husband and I, we were sick of going to the supermarket and my five and a half year old, nearly six year old, constantly being like, I want this toy. I want that. Like some bit of plastic crap that was like $14 and probably cost about two cents to make. And we didn't know how to explain to her like, no, you can't have things just all the time. There's not just an endless amount of money. And and then on top of that, I guess we're all getting around tapping our phones to pay for things. And I'm thinking it's hard enough to teach our kids the value of money, let alone when they barely see money nowadays. And we started doing pocket money at home. And then we kind of got into this thought process of, wait, is this something that we should be doing or shouldn't be doing? If we are doing it, how should we do it? And I 
I just thought, surely there's someone who's better equipped and has the answers for us. So after we chatted to you last time about kind of the state of things in the world currently financially and how we can make better decisions about what to do with our money and how to spend it as a family. I thought, well, we both thought, let's get Francis back on to speak with us about chatting about money with our kids. And before you dive into it and share loads of tips and advice for us parents, I just want to say to all the supermarkets out there, if you could kindly just stop putting all the treats and all the naughty things at eye level as we're checking out, it would help the breakdowns for parents and it would be so much easier for us to actually just get through that really hard time when we're going, you know, let's just grab a few things for dinner and not have a meltdown. Yeah, I do click and collect now, but there's always those times you do unfortunately have to take them to the supermarket and you get to the end and you do this sigh of relief like we've made it. And then right at the self-checkout, there's this sparkly unicorn egg chocolate or chewing gum situation. And it's like you're not ever having <laughs> chewing gum. So let's get into it. First of all, is it actually important that our kids know what money is and the importance of it? Or should we just let kids be kids and there's enough time in the future to worry about that? Can I just say, I totally feel you on the supermarket <laughs> stress. Um, my mum, actually, when I was still a little tyke being pushed around in a supermarket trolley, my mum campaigned to get a candy-free checkout lane in her local wow. supermarket, harassed them until they did it. So I do come from a long line of Karens that are used to getting their own way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, God episode over. Mom. We just have to campaign and we never have to worry about these things again. Done. That's Unfortunately, great. one of my favourite cafes is still next door to a toy shop, so I no. do think we still have to have this chat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, start the campaign with the toy shop yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah look I do think it's important to have money chats early but you don't want to put too much pressure on it right you're gonna feel like you're making no progress at first like mm. it's going to feel really thankless it's going to feel like you're shouting into a void but I promise you I have talked to so many people who said they hit their 20s they hit their 30s and suddenly all of the things that their parents had been banging on about for so long came flooding out and suddenly were making an impact. Even people who had unfortunately lost their parents at a relatively young age have said that suddenly those lessons became really useful and they were so grateful for them. So it's going to feel thankless. It's that old line of one day you'll thank me. Yeah. <laughs> and they really will. I promise they will. Um, it's just trying to keep it a positive topic as much as you can. Trying to make sure that it stays age appropriate. So actually the supermarket chat is a great one because if you can just keep them away from them. My supermarket has like these $30 Paw Patrol toys. Uh, yeah, we can't go down that aisle. <laughs> it's just, it's not, they're on ground level. This is, yeah. this is, yeah, please don't. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you can get them involved when they're old enough and saying, okay, we're getting beans and I want you to find the best deal. I want you to find a special, off you go, go look for it. And that's a really age-appropriate way to get them involved, to make it a bit of a game. It will, of course, always depend on your kid and how receptive they are to that, how much they enjoy doing things like that. But as much as you can, getting them involved in these things and making it fun, making it a game, find the best deal with me. Good job. You did so well. Okay, now we're on to the tomatoes. Go and find me this. 
it's a really good way to show them the value of money in a very real way. Yeah. I love that. And look, we've got play money when they're, you know, dots running around and toddlers, but when should we start introducing the concept of money to them? It's always going to depend on your kid a bit because I think all of us know that as your kid gets older, they develop on such different timelines, right? I mean, I remember my kid was really slow on the physical stuff. He's a he's a big baby. So he took a long time for the, the crawling, the walking, all that stuff because his big old noggin would pull him over and he'd unbalance and he, he found that very tough heavy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's the same with all of this stuff, right? Kids will be ready for this to be introduced at different times and they will, it will start to make Makes sense to them at different times. But if you just, as much as you can, make it always an open conversation. You know, if you're talking to your partner, don't wait until the kids are in bed to have discussions. Mm. And, you know, do take them along on those supermarket trips with you or those cafe trips with you. And as much as you can, talk to them about, you know, oh, you know, we're, we're trying to stay on budget. So we're getting coffees and a fluffy mm. today, but we're not getting lunch out um, because that's what we can afford for our nice treat. And it may or may not make sense to them, but keeping it an open conversation so that it is just another topic that is mm. talked about in front of them, with them, and include them, you're always leaving the door open for them to start to be included in that. And I think that's the key thing is making it a normal part of life that money discussions aren't, you know, something rude or impolite. They're just a normal part of daily life that you have these open chats about it. And then when they're ready, they can join in. And it's almost more setting the environment and setting the the vibe, if you will, of making it an open, inclusive, stress-free space, even if you're always still having to weigh up different conflicting needs at different times. I feel like it's really hard because with my toddler, when I'm out with her, I'm like, I'm going to be honest, I'm really scared of her. She <laughs> will say she wants something and I'd be like, I'm so terrified of what you're going to do in front of everyone and me, like I don't know how to handle you, that you're going to have a meltdown. Whereas with my older kids who are nine and 10, I'll sometimes say to them, and it's really hard, I, I do find it hard and I don't know if it's our generation when we say, to say no. Like I say to them, well, you know, we've got a holiday coming up. I really, we need to save for that. So we're not going to get that today. But even for me to say that is really hard. And whether I have the money or not, it's not the point. It's me as a parent not wanting to say no, but also they don't need it. Yeah. And that's, it's so hard, right? Especially toddlers. Toddlers are such terrorists, aren't they? They're freaks. <laughs> Like, good God, it's so they scary. Really learn how to manipulate you and they learn how to Assassins. throw a wobbly right at the worst time. They're like, right, yeah. I know this is going to freak her out. I'm doing Mom's it. Mum's on the brink. I'm going yes. on the floor. Yeah. yeah. I'm getting that doll. <laughs> There's lots of people around. Watch me act like a flailing fish. Yes. <laughs> I've got to say, and this is this happened before I had kids. And so I just want to put it out there that I think You'd throw yourself often... on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Oh, I've heard so many stories from my mum about <laughs> me being a nightmare. God bless. I think I put it through the ringer. Um, <laughs> but I think we often judge ourselves more as parents than other people do. There are, of course, terrible judgmental people out there and to them. But hmm. I think we often judge ourselves more than other people do. I remember seeing a woman on the street and her toddler had 
throwing themselves down on the pavement, full, stiff as a board, arms and legs going. This was full meltdown. And she clearly was just like, don't have time for this. Picked up the stiff as a board toddler under the arm, power walked off. And I was just like, I Go love girl. you. I love everything about you. <laughs> yes. What a boss. You didn't have time. Toddler's going to keep tantruming. They can do what they want. You've got places to be. I love you. You find you actually get more eyes of empathy and sympathy yes. than you do of judgment. I feel like it's more that you feel like you've failed in some way. But actually, a lot of the people around, especially if they have kids, they look at you like, I get it. Mainly parents. Mainly Let's parents. Be serious. Yes. Yeah. Everyone, yeah. Everyone who doesn't have kids are usually like, oh my God, I would never be that <laughs> parent. It's like, you don't know. You're not, you're not there yet. We're going to get on to pocket money a bit later, but I have actually found implementing pocket money has made a huge difference in my five-year-old's understanding of money. And even though she only really did the chores for a couple of weeks and then the novelty of it wore off, she has like 14 and it's like a tangible $14 in her money purse. So whenever we go down that same aisle in the supermarket and she goes, oh, this is $8. I go, well, did you bring your $14? And she goes, no. And it's like she realizes, wow, $8 is nearly all of that $14. And I had to do so much for it, even though I'm not really doing it anymore. And She's had the opportunity to spend it, but she's chosen not to. And I know that depends. Like some kids will be spenders and some would be savers. She's more that saver type mentality. But I do feel like even though the pocket money, the thrill of it was so short-lived, it has at least shown her you know, and I guess the next question is we are in this cashless society. Should we have cash around our kids like that so that they have to count it? Like it was interesting. I thought she understood about money, but she thought that each coin held the same value and she didn't want the note because she would rather have had more coins than having the note. And that part of it was interesting. And I guess she hasn't really seen us count out coins as such very frequently because we are just tapping our phone or tapping our card, is it important for them to handle money and count it and see the value that way? So interesting that you saw all of that because all of that fits with what we know about money psychology and actually not just for kids, for all of us. This is actually part of human wiring. It's just more obvious when we're trying to teach someone for the first time, you see all of this coming through, but it very much applies to all of us. So pocket money can be a little bit of a fraught subject. And I just say, however people want to approach it, you're, you're teaching your kids money values. And so I'm really, really open on however you feel will impart those money values to your kids the best way. But I do personally quite like linking pocket money to chores and having that idea of the, the effort associated with it, that money doesn't just come from the sky every week, like passing go and monopoly that you had to do something for it and now you know you've got this thing that says I worked hard and I can go and get myself a reward and a treat for it and I think it's a really good mentality to help them learn that that money came from somewhere and you had to put an effort and then you only have so much of it and where do you want it to go you know you can have Mm -hmm. anything but not everything that sort of thing so I, I do like linking it to chores like that but yeah the idea of the the physical money that never goes away. We actually just kind of get better at tricking ourselves into thinking we're above it. So there is a higher pain point 
in your brain, when you hand over physical cash for something, it means more to us. And so this can be, if someone's struggling to stay on a budget, I do often recommend going on a cash diet for a week, a month. (gasps) It feels so real. Real, right? You hand over that money and you suddenly go, that's not just a swipe. That's 70 bucks and handing it over you're like oh that's quite a few notes you know yeah. and it really does it impacts totally differently than the swipe of a card the interesting thing as well is that it can make you pause and think do I really want that but then your brain if you decide yes I actually I do I am going to spend this your brain then compensates for that higher pain by making you appreciate it more So not only do you usually stay on budget better, you will then enjoy what you actually do buy more. You will appreciate it more. Your brain gives you more of a reward. So it's some really interesting money psychology that we can see in our kids that also applies to us. Yeah. And I know this is about kids and teaching kids, but also I guess they'd be around us if we did this. So if, for example, we got our money out and had a budget for our shopping for the week and we said, this is what we're using. And if we go over that, well, then that's it. There's no more cash. Yeah, there's no more cash. And then we can't do anything about that. So we really have to budget with this money. Yeah. And it's a fantastic way to show them the value. You know, like you were saying before, you we've got a certain budget for this grocery shop, but they want the toys. And so you can very clearly say, these are the notes that we have and we need to buy this, this and this. Let's go and do it and then see how much is left. And hopefully for the sake of the lesson, <laughs> there won't be enough left for the toy. If there is, you might be screwed. You might've just made a bargain that you didn't mean to. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what game I absolutely love for older kids and us as well is Monopoly. Mm. I just think this is such a fun, brilliant game. And we've played this a few times with my older two and they, that's when they really understand how much they don't want to part with money. Yeah. But you go into adulthood thinking that some hotel is going to cost you 500 pounds. Yeah, you wish. <laughs> and you're like, oh, shit. Suddenly, suddenly the uh, affordability of houses is a little bit different. <laughs> but they do. They actually, if you sit there and play this game, they mm. actually sit there and go, I don't want to part with it. Mm. And mm. and then they'll have a, like an electricity bill, right? It's a utility cost. And they'll be like, why do I have to pay for that? It's like, well, why does mum and dad have to pay for the electricity? Maybe you could turn the lights off, you know, every time mm. you walk out of the room so you can understand that that actually costs up us money every single time. Mm. It's just like the tiny little things that have never really mm. triggered them before. You can sort of say in that, in that little game of how much it actually does make an impact. And they're like, where do I pass go just to grab my two hundred dollars. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's not real life. Where's my get and out you of jail? Might not free end card. up in jail quite as much. <laughs> Hopefully, but let's chat about pocket money a little bit. And now that we've brought it up, uh, one thing I made sure when we started pocket money that I did is I reminded my kids multiple times a day that mum and dad don't get paid for doing the chores. I was like, you can earn a little bit of pocket money, but I just want you to know that we are not earning pocket money each time we unstack the dishwasher. And something that I found was helpful is we have. I've got a set of expected chores for the week and they earn $5 per week as long as they do their expected chores every day. They've earned the $5 once because the yeah. rest of the time they forget about it. But I'm like, oh, well, at least if they go, oh, if I make my bed, will you give me money? I'm like, no, that's part of the expected chores. And then we have bonuses that are kind of extra that are about 50 cents per task, which is things like setting the table, unstacking the dishwasher, helping clean our car or 
whatever. And so every now and again, I think they think about wanting something and they go, oh, can I unpack the dishwasher tonight? My three-year-old could not care less, like has not asked for it once. Um, Whereas my five-year-old quite likes it. And it's quite funny. There's been multiple times that we've been in debt to her because we haven't had cash on us. And so each morning she'll wake up, she's like, mum and dad, you owe me four bucks. I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, no, we do. We're in the red. We're in the red. (laughs) (laughs) That is glorious. I love how you've set that up, actually. You've actually nailed the system that I was going to suggest because I do think it's really important that we have this understanding and this this is why the pocket money conversation can get a little fraught right is you are still a member of the household you are still expected to contribute to the household and we all work together not just for cash because we also love each other and don't want Mm, to live mm. in a total mess uh, which is the I was going to say something slightly ruder but I'll keep it PG a total mess no it's not a PG (laughs) place you can go for it I can go for it I can drop some yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) oh yeah yeah. they're encouraged yeah we have a disclaimer at the start of the episode that said this podcast is not for little ears so (laughs) drop it (laughs) (laughs) and it's it's funny isn't it because I do think that they need to earn like learn the value of money and earning it and and you've kind of you've you've hit that really nice spot there where you do have you're a member of the household and you expect to do these things because you're also cleaning up after yourself but if you have a goal if you develop a lego addiction lord knows that'd be an expensive one then you can get entrepreneurial and you can start unstacking the dishwasher and you can start doing this and that and they start to see the little efforts that can get them goals if they want not if they don't. And it's meeting them where they are and not putting any pressure on them, but making it very clear. If you want these things, that option is there. And if you don't, that's your choice, you know? And I think that's the best way with kids and money is is it's always a real balance between teaching them the value, showing them how it works, while also trying very hard not to make it a stressful, sort of judgmental space because we're constantly fighting back against that in the wider culture anyway. And we don't want to be reinforcing that at home. Well, I'm struggling with consistency. This is where we're getting. My kids are getting at an age where they really should be doing chores around the house, whether they're getting five bucks or five cents or just doing it because they need to, you know, help around, help us out. And I got these little boards from Kmart and they're a star chart with little magnets on them. And you can put like whatever it is for their age. So it might be like unstacking the dishwasher or you can write something different on there. It might be like for my middle child, right? It's a real pain in the morning for her to put her shoes and socks on. So have you put your shoes next to your bed the night before? tick. So it's all these little things that you can make up to specifically target your, you know, child and their needs. And if they get to the end, you have a bucket. And when I say consistency, this happens maybe once every two months and then they get over it. But in that bucket, you can have, it can be money. It can be a movie date with mum or dad. It can be various things. It's not targeted just at money. Although those things in that bucket are money related really. And I just find that maybe for the first week or two weeks, they are all onto it. They absolutely love it. It's great. And the house is really going well. Everyone's providing, helping. They're all buzzing because they're being productive and they're, you know, they're getting something out of it. And then all of a sudden it's like, we, we get that little prezi or we get that whatever it is at the end and we don't care anymore. Yeah. How do you get the consistency? How can we continue this motivation? Well, 
I think at that point, it's it's possibly about switching up the motivations. If they tend to go for a couple of weeks and then lose steam, it's maybe keeping a few things up your sleeve. You know, I'm, I'm sure that your kids have different things that they're interested in. And so it's a bit like if they get a bunch of presents for Christmas and you kind of stash some at the top of the wardrobe and drop them again in February. It's like, woo, new toys and the old ones are dust, you know? It's very much about, okay, they like these sorts of things or they get these sorts of goals going. Some kids love to be able to treat their friends, which is very generous of them. Some kids <laughs> genuinely love the idea of saying, we're all going to laser tag and it's, you know, on me. And if you can say, okay, save up for that. And you can go and have a laser tag date with your friends. And then they achieve that. Okay. We're gonna, this new movie that's coming out soon, you're going to get to go to that movie with mom and dad, and you can have whatever treat you like with it, but you do have to save up for it. And so I think keeping those goals in rotation, because again, it's it's money psychology that applies to all of us, but very much with kids. And they, they do just have shorter attention spans. Although then again, see me on a bad day and you might think I have the attention <laughs> span of a five-year-old. Um, yeah. But, you know, they're switching it out and having new goals. None of us just do things with money because it's the right thing to do. That Mm. is what we often expect ourselves to do. Mm. Nobody does it. Because why would you just save money to be good? Why would you just save money because you should and some financial expert has told you you're naughty if you don't? Um, (laughs) You always need a reason for why you're doing it. Holiday financial security. You want to quit your job one day. So you're investing, you know, we all need a goal to keep us focused for kids. You might need to switch it out more often. Yeah. Poppy wants this toy. I think it's one of those bubbling cauldron things and something appears out the top of it. I don't know. You've got three girls. I'm sure you've had it, but it's like a hundred dollars. And so she has commissioned my brother who's a builder to build her a lemonade stand because she wants to sell lemonade to make, because I was like, pocket, you're going to be pocket doing pocket <laughs> money for a long time before you get there, my love. But she wants to just set up the stand in our backyard and only sell it to friends and family. So I'm actually really excited for this to be built. And, and how much the lemonade's going to be? <laughs> at, no, because I've, I've tried to explain to her, that's not very entrepreneurial. You can't, you've got to make the most, you know, we live near the beach. I'm like, if you did it out the front of our house, you would get so so many more people. I would buy that just because it's cute as hell. Yeah. yeah. And it, look, <laughs> the the sketches her and my brother have come up with are just, I think she's going to do really well. And I think she's going to be getting this cauldron. But one thing I have liked about doing pocket money is I feel like, I feel like sometimes it's kids' lack of control that leads them, I think, to tantrums. And as we were saying before, we were having tantrums all the time in the supermarket about this. And I think so much of it comes down to control. And sometimes I'd say yes to a kinder surprise. And sometimes I'd Mm -hmm. say no. And it was completely out of her control. And probably my control too. It was just whatever day I was having, whether I was saying yes or no. And now all of a sudden, even when I say no, and even when she doesn't have her money on her, so it's still, it's the same outcome of her not getting it. It's like she, there's this sense of control there that, well, if I wanted to buy it, I could because I have those coins at home. Yeah. I think the sense of control is key. And when you start to see 
kids as just little people, it makes so much sense because so much of their life is totally out of their control. And when I think about it from Mm. their perspective, I would hate that. And so Mm. I try very hard to give as much control as I can within the boundaries of also my kid doesn't know what's best for him, you know? And so my husband always laughs about my main way of heading off tantrums is stop, 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 stop. stop. I'll make you a deal. I'll make you a deal. (laughs) (laughs) Negotiations. I can negotiate that. 100%. And it's a real pause moment. The tears will be welling. The cheeks will be going red. And there's a real pause. (laughs) And he's like, What's the deal? Give me your best and I'll decide if I continue, yeah. Do you know what I think we all need to talk about for a second? And if there are little ears, can we please turn this off right now? So I'm just going to give you guys the chance to do that if your little ones are around. Okay, now. Hamble off your child. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) The tooth fairy, right? Please, when you have a child, do not start at $5. Do not start at any amount because it gets to a point where you are just like out of this world. There are people that have started at $5, $10 because it was exciting. It was their very first tooth. And you can only go up or level that. And that is very expensive when you've only got one but then two and then three, and they all talk about how much they got for their first tooth. So you've got to be really, really mindful how much you're giving out. And look, a dollar is way more exciting, as we said before, than a note. I was going to say on top of this that Poppy the other day goes, I want to show you my money. And the way she had her money was literally scrunched and folded into a tiny little ball. Like when do we ever as adults do that? We're like always stretching it out and popping it in the wallet. She had it tiny and like squished and she's like, look at my money. And I was like having aneurysm because I'm like, please just iron that out. (laughs) But it's just funny the concept that they have. So it really doesn't matter on their end. But for us, I'm telling you, save your money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because they're going to see a dollar coin versus a $5 note. It's often they're just counting how many of them they have. Yes. It's not going to mean anything to this. (laughs) Save yourself some cash. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was proud of Pops this morning. She took 50 cents to donate. There was a charity day at daycare today and she said she was taking 50 bucks. And I was like, well, I'm proud of you that you think you're taking 50 bucks. Watch this space about when she actually had to hand over the money. She went with good intentions. She might have accidentally misplaced it in the car. But while we talk about, I guess, the tooth fairy, and I guess it's similar to the argument of make sure that if you're getting extravagant presents for your kids at Christmas, once again, if you're listening to this with children, mute us. And, you know, you say give the extravagant ones from the parents and give the more simple presents from Santa. How do we approach or explain to our children when someone else, like maybe a family member or something, can can afford something that you as a family can't? Or families at school. I think that's a big important one as well. Absolute minefield because I think even explaining it to friends can be difficult. Mm. Explaining it to someone who's little and, and doesn't have much experience of the world is so hard and you also have to bear in mind that kids love to go and repeat exactly what you've said so be careful how you phrase it in case it gets repeated (laughs) you know I I think because she's a spoiled brat it's like oh (laughs) because her parents don't know how to handle money yeah love that (laughs) it's always going to depend on on what the situation is right but if you just try to talk about you know people are in 
different situations for all sorts of different reasons. And also that people make different choices that some people may or may not want to go to work. They might want to be home-based. And so that means they don't have as much money. Some people make different choices. Just try to walk them through that with as much empathy as you can Mm. and the understanding that lots of people make different choices and different choices don't mean they're wrong. It's just a different choice from what we've chosen to make. And I think that's it's probably going to be fairly high level, quite sort of not much nitty gritty when they're young. But just I think the key whenever you're having these quite difficult conversations with kids, that, that these quite nuanced conversations, to be honest, is to really give that sense of no judgment and different people are making different choices and that's okay. Yeah. And Within that, fill in the gaps as much as is appropriate for your kid and as much as you think they'll be able to follow. But I think with kids, what I'm always focusing on is what is the underlying message I'm trying to give here? Like, okay, you might be trying to explain the situation and you might be hoping that they pick up some dollars and cents lessons in this. But the (laughs) underlying lesson that I always want to make sure that comes across is people making difficult choices all the time they will make the right choice for them and it might be different from what's the right choice for us that's okay and I think that's my biggest underlying thing that I would always be trying to push is that sense Mm. of empathy and no judgment for other people because when you encourage no judgment on other people you also encourage no judgment on yourself Mm. it's it ends up going both ways and I think being able to see money as a judgment-free zone actually mm. frees you to make decisions you need to make because anytime emotions get involved with your money and these layers of judgment and and baggage that come along so easily, those are what hold people back far more often than the actual dollars and cents. It's It's the layers that we put on top of it that stop us even trying. So I'm a massive empath and I have this thing when my kids get given something like if their grandparents hand them a toy or they get something that they really want or a sick present, whatever it is, that's out of my hands. Like they've they've been given it and say so they go to school and look what I've got and that's what kids are. They're brutally honest. I've got this, I've got that. And then they've got friends who who don't have that or can't afford that and then they go home and say, how come I... I I just, I feel for the people that are not in that position Mm -hmm. and I I want to make my children understand and be a little bit more humble when they do have things so they can actually, you know, not blurt it out. And I know as a child that's actually really hard because they don't understand being humble, but I, I still think regardless that does impact their friends. Yeah. 100%. And I really liked what you said before about Santa. I'm a huge believer in that. Big extravagant presents shouldn't come from Santa because we do not want people to feel like, am I not as good of a kid because Santa didn't give me as big Mm. of a present? Like that fully breaks my heart, the idea that any kid might feel that way. I think, you know, if you are in a position where you know you're more fortunate than other people, it's really good to have that conversation with your kids about if we have more, it's good to share it. 
So I, I really like your point about being humble and, and not rubbing a new toy in their friends' faces. But also, if you've got a toy that you know your friend would enjoy, take it to their house and share it with them. Yeah. You know, and and share the things That's that lovely. you are lucky enough to have. And maybe if you're someone who the grocery shop isn't as hard as it is for some people right now, while you're going through the groceries, you know, say, we're going to get some cans of these and we're going to get a couple extra for other people. And we're going to get some Tim Tams too, because everyone needs a treat and some people can't afford a treat right now. Mm. And this might be a really happy part of their day that we can give them. And making that part of the conversation too, to, to really have that idea of if we are lucky enough to have things that we know other people don't, then we share. And I love that. We constantly tell kids to share, but we don't often think about really demonstrating that in other areas of our lives as well. And I think it is really important to have that sharing mentality across all parts of life and then get them to pop that in the food bin at the end of the checkouts um, and say, that's going to go to someone who is struggling right now and that's our gift to them. And I think that's a beautiful thing to do with your kids. And I guess if you are doing that, you know, the cash budget even, and you were saying, oh, we might have some left over, Mm -hmm. you can demonstrate that we do have something left over. And so that is what we're using that towards rather than getting stuck with the extra toy that you were talking about. (laughs) Or maybe they can make the choice and see what they choose. (laughs) Now, how can we explain to our kids that the mom, the dad, whoever, uh, that work is for money and not for fun? Oh, that's a tricky one. Sometimes work can be for fun, but I don't think anyone's job is 100% fun. There's always some sort is of Is it admin, not so right? Well, I was going to, I know that you know, I'm fun? in a very privileged position that I love my work and I actually do quite the opposite to my kids and I never actually say to them, oh, mum has to go to work because I would like them to strive to enjoy. work in a place that they enjoy it. I, I don't actually want to instill in them that work has to be this grueling thing. But I, kn- I know that's not the reality for everyone. So I'm repeating a question that was sent in. But no, I love my job, Jade. Okay. And this is not what I've said to my children. Good, good. I think Continue. Therapy done. What I, what I aim for with jobs is I would love everyone to have a job where they feel satisfied. You know, where you feel like you've achieved an outcome, it was good, it's satisfied, and then, you know, you're not getting your whole life and identity from your job, but it, you know, the end of the day comes, you're like, you know what, I got something done there, that was good. And then you go home and you also have a fulfilling life there. And I mean, that might be very much an idealized situation for some people, but I would hope that's what a lot of people could aim for. But when you're talking to your kids about it, it is, it's, it's so tricky, right? Because we always want our kids to have more opportunities than we did. We're always hoping for the next generation to go up, 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 and, and to keep building. Um, and so I think what can be important is talking to them about why you're going to work and what it does for the family, you know. So say you're a nurse. That's really hard job, some hard hours. Uh, I personally think nurses don't get paid enough for the work that they do. An incredibly worthwhile job though. So you might say, you know, mommy goes to work. She's going to make people feel better. You know, when you fall over and hurt yourself, um, someone like mommy can come and make it better. And 
I also get paid for that. That means that we can have this house and food on the table. You might be in a situation where you don't even get that level of satisfaction from your job, where you maybe feel like, well, I go to work every day and I get a check for it. And that's fine. You can still have that conversation with your kids of this means that we can do things in our life that we want to do. We can have this car that means we can go to the beach on the weekend. You know, have those conversations about why you're making those choices and what it brings to your life. Sometimes it might mean, it might be slightly confronting as you start trying to explain it to your kid. We can often have these realizations of, yeah, why am I in this job? (laughs) You have an epiphany. You're having this existential crisis and they're like, forget I said anything. You you might not want to work through those feelings in front of your child. Come back to me. Yeah, Yeah. but also, you know, if you actually genuinely do hate your job, and you think, I can't justify this to my child of why I'm doing this. Well, maybe are there any changes you can make? And I know that, you know, not all of us are able to just change on a dime, but can you make a long-term plan to change something? Can you say, I want to be able to tell my kid that actually I enjoy my job and I want that for them and I want to lead by example. It might be a five-year plan, but it's still worth making. Mm. I really do think most of us can have at the very least a satisfying job. I don't believe in dream jobs. I do believe in satisfying jobs. Mm, I love that. We use a bucket analogy in our house. So we say when mom or dad has to work, this helps to fill up the bucket. And then we say like most things in life do take away from the bucket and like use examples of them. We kind of use it more when they're like, why can't we go to bounce three times on the weekend? (laughs) Like, or why can't we just constantly go to Corumban Wildlife Sanctuary or whatever, you know, those things that cost money. And so we say that, or like if we've been on a holiday, we're like a holiday really drains the bucket. That activity drains the bucket, but going to the beach for us doesn't drain the bucket because that's free or whatever, or like going out for dinner drains the bucket, but having dinner at home doesn't drain the bucket as much. And I feel like because they're young, they do actually really understand that because they're still getting that grasp of, you know, what the actual money is. Or or like if we get back from a holiday and as soon as we're back, they're like, why can't we do X, Y, and Z? And someone wrote in saying, we just did our first overseas holiday and my three and a half year old keeps asking why we can't go again. And I found it helpful where I'm like, we've literally just got back from a holiday. The bucket is empty mum and dad have to try and fill the bucket back up again before we can do fun things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's very much like what we were talking about with the cash earlier, right? Is anything visual works for people in general, but particularly for kids, anything you can do to make it a bit more of a visual idea for them is really going to help them wrap their heads around. Unfortunately, money is a limited resource. Yeah, it doesn't grow on trees. You could also <laughs> open your wallet and just have no money in there and be like, well, that's it. There's nothing in My there. My kids would Sorry. be like, oh, I'm not silly. It's on your phone. Yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> My dad, I always used to joke that I was going to steal his wallet when I was a kid. And his response, every single time was, well, you're going to have all the bills that are in there too. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. My dad actually, he read a book and I still don't know what is in it, what happened, but you might know the book. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I think it's about believing in the value of being there for the 
child rather than always paying for things. So they learn that, you know, I will always be there and provide for you, but you do have to learn the value for a dollar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's the real, I mean, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it's an absolute classic. It really I hated it's, it. I know. It's, it's <laughs> kind of problematic these days because there are a lot of ideas in there that you look at and you go, ooh, yeah, a little outdated. There are some some really good lessons in there still. If you can, you sort of, you take it with a, a pinch of salt. Mm. One of the big things is to have assets, not liabilities. So, you know, houses and assets rather than a car that loses value as a liability, yada, yada. So that's that's a really big mindset shift that I think helped a lot of people. And then, yeah, when you're talking to your kids about money is the idea of you supporting them to reach goals that they have decided on and that they are working towards. Mm. So often that idea of, okay, you have a big savings goal. I'll match you dollar for dollar, but I'm not giving you it. Or, you know, if they get a bit older and maybe they're quite entrepreneurial, they want to start a business. And you say, okay, you go and set up your business plan. You do your research and you tell me why this is going to work and how much money you're going to need. The maximum I'm going to give you is 50% of that. And it's not 50% on zero. It's, you know, you have to have saved up and I'll give you 50% match, you know, and it's, it's very much that mindset. And And I think that. that really works because there's this whole set of money psychology as well around lotto wins is the classic you know lottery Mm. winners i think it's within five years are often broker than they started um so five years very short amount of time to spend Mm. often tens of millions you know they can they can blow through any amount of money this is why private jets exist Um, (laughs) so you know you, you can really blow through it quite fast but it actually it applies to any money that lands in your lap out of nowhere so a big inheritance can have Mm. the same impact or you know say you have a trust fund that you get access to when you're 21 that can have the same impact if you feel like you haven't earned that money it Mm. does something a little screwy to your brain where you go it's not real money this is Mm -hmm. fun money and I get to do whatever I like with it and so I'm a little minorly controversial in the personal finance space where a lot of people really want to leave a legacy for their kids, really want to leave investments or a big inheritance and say, you'll never have to worry about anything. My point of view on that is that actually you're going to make life a lot worse for them. You don't mean to. I know it comes from a great place, Mm. but you're going to make life worse for them because they will blow through it in five to 10 years. They will have no idea how to get it back. Mm -hmm. They're going to have had a taste of the good life and then they're going to live the rest of their life in poverty. And that's not nice. That's actually kind of worse than just being in poverty the whole time. Controversial on that one, but you know what I mean. But If you can help them earn it and be that stable grounding force that says you can take big risks and if you fail, I will catch you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. Powerful. Yeah. And it is, it it does come back to teaching our children the value of a dollar because Mm -hmm. I think that even if it's from being a toddler to saying this is what money is and here's you know your cash for doing the right chores and then going to the tween stage going mom can I have 20 bucks it's like well have you actually done all your chores so you can go out and use that money however you want I just feel like 
I learned and I personally I feel like when at the time I thought dad was being cruel I was like this is actually cruel like you're actually not helping me and I'm your only child and I don't understand why but as I've grown into an adult I've really taken a lot out of that because I have three children one that's a lot of money in itself and I can't promise my kids all of this because you know I'm just you know doing the best I can here now for them but I just feel like really getting them to understand what money is and that, you know, you're not going to be set up for life and I can't hand you everything I would love to. I don't know. There's just what he's done for me has made me save made me be very, very savvy with my money. I am, you know, yes, I can spend things, but I'm very well aware of what they cost. And yeah, I've come a very long way. I'd probably alter a few things now because obviously, as you said, you know, it always changes from season to season and generation. But yeah, I I really do love that mentality. Yeah. And I've got to say as well, I think back about some of the lessons my parents gave me about money. So when I was Oh, probably between the ages of 10 and 13, when I was in that sort of tween phase, um, I played an instrument that I can guarantee you've never heard of, the Northumbrian small pipes. Um, wow. No, I was about to say challenge me, but hey, you win. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can guarantee. It sounds pleasant. <laughs> was it pleasant? It sounds more pleasant than I'm sure my viola sounded when I tried to bring it home. I just got told to stop practicing. <laughs> what was it? A viola. It's between a violin and a cello. It really should only be p- played as part of like a strings <laughs> ensemble. It is not an instrument that- played well. Yeah, on its own, um, <laughs> not well. It sounded like something dying. I had very the recorder. Slow and painful death. Also painful. Yeah, very, very painful cat noises, I think, when <laughs> yeah. played badly. Yeah. But tell us about your Nathumbral. Northumbrian small pipes. Yes, yep. yes. Please. So my mum is still the head of the New Zealand Northumbrian <gasps> Small Pipes Society. God bless her. Can I ask um, how many members I, there are? Uh, now I'm going to get in trouble with my mum. Maybe 20. Wow, okay. Bless yeah. her heart. Okay, that's if great. If you hold still for five seconds, she'll strap you into a pair. She is, she's <laughs> What do you mean a pair? a pair? What is it? It's, oh God! Okay, we're gonna. I'm, I'm, God bless my mum. Maybe this will get me more babysitting. So I'll spread <laughs> the good word. They they are actually do sound quite cool. They're sort of you know everyone knows the Highland bagpipes. These are much smaller. You can stand next to them without going deaf. You instead of blowing them with your mouth, you have bellows under your arms. So they're they're quite cool and they're quite unique. And my mum goes around folk festivals and she still performs and she's she's amazing. God bless her. I love her. Totally evangelical about them. So I obviously as a child played these because I don't think there was much choice. <laughs> or competition. The good thing about them is they're very portable and they're quite unique. And I probably looked very cute playing them oh, yeah. when I was sort of 10 to 13. I used to, okay, my dad would take me down and I knew exactly where to target. I stood outside a bank mm. and played them for half an hour. And I would very deliberately smile sweetly at little old ladies. They were my ultimate target. And I would make roughly 30 bucks in half an hour. Bearing in mind this was the 90s. Back in the that day, was good that's coin. huge. Right? And then I would, again, making myself sound really old, go straight to the warehouse and buy whatever the latest CD was that yep. I wanted because they were roughly 30 bucks. And 
I, I totally had this down and my dad would take me and he would, you know, watch to make sure, you know, I didn't get into any trouble or anything and probably yarn with half the locals. And I look back at it now <laughs> and I'm like, this was such a great lesson in, it was actually quite business minded. Yeah. Of I knew exactly where to stand, mm. that I was deliberately outside of banks so that people would have cash. And I knew my customers, little old ladies that thought I was cute. And I would go out there on a Saturday morning and I would make sizable amount of cash, far more than a, a newspaper run. And I am still someone who very much, I'm a big believer in if you want a side hustle, your day job is for security. A side hustle is for moonshots. A side hustle is for targeting those things that could make you a lot of money or could totally fail. Yeah, and that's what that. you use a side hustle for. It's a moonshot. I've had a lot of success with various moonshots that I've actually also managed to leverage into steps up in my career. It's it's often, you know, worked all together. And I do think that early lesson of being strategic, targeting high value opportunities, being supported in that, you know, my dad had to give up his Saturday morning too, but he wasn't giving me that 30 bucks for a yeah. CD. He was going there and making sure I was safe while I went and busked. And I think if you can do that for your kids, you're giving them a real mentality of, I can have what I want. I totally can. But I do have to go out there and get it. Yeah. And I, I just, I really appreciate my dad giving me that. That's cool because I feel like we're a bit of a moonshot. We are a moonshot. <laughs> we're absolutely a moonshot that literally took over the whole job shop. But I remember, and I'll never forget this time, I remember I was about 15 years old and I had my best friend over and we really wanted to buy when, I think, I don't know if it was a VCR or DVD back then, surely a DVD, and I wanted to get Pearl harbor and i was like wow yeah i was like dad dad because i love josh hartnett i was like please anyway i was like dad please i'll do anything and he's like all right you can both wash the windows around the house that's what you got to do to get that and then i'll go and get you pearl harbor and we sat there and we're like oh what a nightmare but we got nothing to do and then we can watch it all night so we did and I remember that and I love that DVD so much for the fact that I had to freaking work for it, even though I would have preferred not to. Yeah. The memory that like what it is worth has meant so much to me. Also, when I asked my dad, he sounds like a real stinge, but also he was only 18 when he had me. So they were really working their guts out to make something of themselves, saving, they had a house, they were paying mortgage. And I said to him, dad, I don't like pink anymore. So I don't like this bike. It's a mountain bike. Can I get a new one? And he spray painted <laughs> blue. And he was like, there you go. It's a blue bike. And I had it for about 10 years. I was like, thanks, dad. But these are all the things that I remember. And if I had have just got given things, there wouldn't be these memories and I probably wouldn't have loved it as much. So I do need to remember this and take it on for my girls. I love that he spray painted your bike. And that is a fantastic uh, lesson as well. You know, you don't like it. Well, we can take charge of this. You know, yeah. we don't just have to go and buy something. We can do this ourselves. And I think that's really empowering for kids because a lot of kids are not going to have much money, even if they are given the opportunity to do jobs around the house. It's not going to be heaps. They get a part-time job after school when they get a bit older. Still not going to be heaps of cash. It's probably at a supermarket. You know, even in your early career, in your early 20s, most people don't start out on much teaching kids to think sideways mm. and to be empowered and taking charge of I can't have that what version of it can I have 
And I think that's a really important mentality for all of us, but especially kids starting out in life, not having many resources. Get creative, kiddo. What can you do? Mm, I love it. Now, what's your thoughts on setting up a bank account for kids? And if we do or if we put money aside for them, is that something that we should tell them we're doing or should it be a secret so that they don't know that they're going to be coming into that money. And we can use it when we need it. No, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dip into it once yeah. they decide the they Zara's really want on that sale. fancy private school. <laughs> no, like, da, 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 yeah, so-and-so's being a shit. You just lost 50 bucks, kid. <laughs> <laughs> Tantrum penalty. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I... I think possibly a savings account, possibly even some people like to have an investing account in their kid's name. And I think that can be fantastic as well. I would recommend keeping them involved in that chat because again, it's that thing of the lotto effect Mm. where you don't want the money to drop out of the sky and they feel like they did nothing for it. So if you can say, you know, I'm putting this money in here for your birthday. What would you like it to go towards in the future? And I mean, if it's an investing account, it's even kind of easier where you can say, you know, these index funds are going to be what we put it into. Which one would you like to put it into? And they feel involved in that and you can show them. That's not going down well with my kids. They'll be like, what the fuck is an index? You know what I mean? They'll be like, nah, I'll have a toy from Kmart. <laughs> I, I know some people have put 50% of oh. things into an investing or a savings account and then 50% into fund money, which mm. can be quite a nice way to do it, to set up that mentality of, of course, you can have fun with your money, but it's there's now fun and there's later fun. So that can be quite a good tactic. But if you are setting up something like that savings and investing, you want them to feel involved with it. You want them to have a sense of ownership over it so that when they do eventually get access to it, it feels like their money and it feels like something they've watched build up and they don't want to just blow it. If it turns up as a lump sum, it's just going to be blown real quick. Yeah. And so with the index fund, it's like, like, do you say so... Like, do they, they know there's risk involved in it, obviously, too. So they're not just going to all of a sudden go, I don't have to try in anything because I'm coming into this money. I mean, I don't know how much people are putting aside. I'm sure they're not coming into like <laughs> 250 grand when they turn 18. But like, is that because, you know, we don't, I guess you don't want them looking ahead, thinking it's this whole sum of money, thinking, oh, okay, well, I can just retire on that when I'm 18. <laughs> or start a business, you know, maybe they'll yeah. do that kind of, there are some kids that are incredibly entrepreneurial, very young. Um, yeah, that was I my guess husband. that thing of, they don't really have that sense of failure yet. So yeah. they, they feel a bit bulletproof and they can they can go for these things. Very powerful, also very dangerous, double-edged sword. But you know, if you can, if you're wanting to do something like the index funds, it can be a really powerful learning by doing. So maybe you're only putting in five bucks at a time at first. Mm. I think that's actually great because you want them to see the share market sort of wobbling around doing its thing, values go up, values go down. And they see that and they learn that over time it goes up. Mm. And along the way you have little dips and it's okay. And when it's not a huge amount of money, it's not such a terrifying experience for them yet. They can see how it all works and they can see how these things happen and you can talk it through to them. You know, in New Zealand right now, right, we're coming up to the election and it's a classic that right before the election, everything just pauses. Mm. Businesses don't want to start any new plans. Investors don't want to make any big investments because 
there may or may not be someone new in charge and there may or may not be new rules and everyone just wants to wait and see what the lay of the land is going to be in about a month. And so the share market goes down and then often after the election, it goes back up again. And it's just because business activity paused. It's fine. It's no big stress. But they can start to see patterns like that happening and that it's not the end of the world and that the share market didn't crash crater forever. It's a you know bundle of smoke and bricks. It just took a little dip and then continued going up. And when they then go to take over things like that for their super, when they hit their 20s, or maybe they start investing outside of that when they're a bit older, they'll already be familiar with the idea of it. They might go and learn more about it on their own terms, but they'll be familiar with some of these basic concepts because it's been just part of the chat of it's your birthday. Yeah. I put 20 bucks in this account and there's 20 bucks for you to take to the store to spend. You That's know? great. I do that whenever I open a packet of chips for my kids. I take a handful and say that's the chip tax because I'm like, I want you to learn that whatever you end up earning, you're losing a large chunk of it (laughs) or I just want to eat their chips. There is a joke in the personal finance community about offering your child one marshmallow now or two if you wait until after school. And, um, you know, my child chose two for after school, which is great. They learned delayed gratification. But then I ate them both so they can learn about <laughs> share market volatility. <laughs> I'm sure that would go down beautifully. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Francis, for joining us today. I feel like I learned so much, I not just so for much. the kids, but for me too. I'm going to start um, giving myself pocket money, I think, for all my hard work. <laughs> work yeah for sure. Um, but thank you so much for chatting with us today it was a blast again and yeah can't wait to chat to you again about something else. in the future <laughs> no worries i am doing a course now on it's called making money simple and it's basically everything you wish you'd been taught about money and i do think if you are ever worried about giving your kids the right tools. I think the best thing we can do as mums is actually invest in ourselves and invest in our own knowledge. And so all of the stuff that we've been talking about with the mindset, the budgeting, how to handle debt, investing, all that stuff. It's a really quick four-week course and you can learn I'm doing it too. wish you were taught about money earlier. So that's on my website, francescook.co.nz. Oh, I'm 100% Yeah, let's do it. it. Is it like in real time? Yeah, so it's dropped, it's just a couple of hours a week, dropped over four weeks, and you do get two live Q&As with me as well. So if you have questions, Let's do it. I'll take them at any time over email, but there's also a live Q&A where we can all share And when thoughts. does it begin? It will be starting early October. I am just sort of Amazing. getting the Done. last yeah. bit cool, cool, cool. sorted. No, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Watch this space. Beyond the bumps, it's going to go <laughs> flying through the roof. The shares, the stock market, it's going to be out of control. <laughs> nah, not no, story. that's great. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much. <laughs> and we'll see you when we do your course. Fabulous team. Lovely chatting. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.